What's going on with you? What's going on with me is I gave myself gave myself a spicy tummy. Ooh, today. what'd you eat? I had too many Takis. <laughs> Ooh, too many Takis. Because that's a good one because that's a combination of spicy tummy and just like fried salty tummy. Yeah. Oh. Well, the Plus, thing is, the thing is I get the Taki and I used to tell myself that this is a good snack to get because you can't eat too many of them. Mm-hmm. It's just too painful. You'll yeah. stop. You won't keep going. Uh, I kept going. Yeah, I've heard people say that with wasabi peas too, but oh, yeah. I love wasabi peas so much that I will eat like when I used to work in Midtown, I would go to this like awful, just like shitty Dwayne Reed in Midtown. Like, you know, you, you I'm sure you've been to one of like the ones that's like clearly for tourists and it's yeah. just like huge and it's always hot and awful. Um, <laughs> and I would buy like the like Dwayne Reed brand. Uh, wasabi peas and I would always be like alright this will be a snack for like the next three days and then just get back to my office and just fucking inhale all of them yeah there are, there are some things I can't keep in the house that's just uh, yeah there are landmines everywhere as I said in the chat I made some scotcheroos what's a scotcheroo? it's like a rice crispy treat but instead of marshmallow and butter the mixture is corn syrup sugar and peanut butter that uh, binds the the cereal together. And then you top it with a mixture of melted chocolate chips and butterscotch chips. Sounds dope. No, they're they're extremely dope. I I like to tell myself that the Rice Krispie Treat is like borderline healthy, you know? How bad can it be? It's like like mostly air. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. The only new uh, development in my media diet this week has, uh, well, I got suggested a Warhammer 40K video on okay. YouTube. Uh, just a little dark vision of how fucked up my algorithm really is. Uh, yeah, of course. And I slowly, over the course of this week, while I've been cooking and stuff, have been putting on Warhammer 40K vids. First, like laughing at the guys. And then by midway through the week, I, I had pretty much fully convinced myself it's just it's just a beautiful kind of guy to be a miniatures guy. I think one day the kicker for me when I'm you know deciding whether to have kids will be this is finally the excuse to get into uh, miniatures. You know, yeah, it's no, for that's them. a good point. I'm doing it with them. Yeah, I could definitely, I could definitely do that when when Fran turns like ten. Be like, yeah, yeah she she told me she's really into World War Two. She wants to, <laughs> she wants to paint miniatures. Fran really likes the uh, lore of the Chaos Space Marines, uh, yeah. so that's why she picked them as an army. Uh, I'm gonna when... spend seventy dollars creating this. <laughs> when so, uh, oh, sorry, seven hundred. Seven hundred. Yeah. When uh, I think it was seventy, I actually might do it now, yeah. but um. It's how I self-soothe. Um, I actually have two uh, media things this week that I would highly rec for you. First off, it's just simple. Have you seen uh, the movie Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, I watched that. That movie fucking rocks. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I've never seen it. Yeah, I kind of uh, slept on Tom Cruise movie from, I guess maybe he was a little less active then. It was in between Mission Impossibles. 
I think um, they did. I think they didn't really know how to market that one either. It had yeah. like a different title in the it U.S. Had, or something. So I was reading about this today because I was trying to explain what its title is to Paige's mom. Um, so the, it's based on a Japanese light novel called My Only Way is Kill. Yeah. But they didn't like, for marketing purposes, they didn't like the name Kill in the title, and the, the director didn't think it really made much sense with the movie. So what they landed on was, I think, one group wanted to call it Live, Die, Repeat. The other group wanted to call it uh, Edge of Tomorrow. But then, so what they ended up doing was calling it Edge of Tomorrow, but making Live, Die, Repeat the tagline. Ah. Um, but then when it didn't get much traction in the U.S., which, like, it didn't do terribly. Like, it made, like, $100 million bucks, but mm-hmm. it didn't, like go off like a Tom Cruise summer blockbuster is supposed to. When that happened, to try to rejuice it for the home viewing market, they renamed it Live, Die, Repeat, colon, Edge of Tomorrow. That's really confusing. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it was poorly marketed, but now nah, it rules. It's a great flick. Yeah, really solid. What, what else you got? The, uh, one last thing about that. I think another reason that may have not done quite as well as you would think is that I feel like that's before Emily Blunt was like quite a household name. Yeah. Before she was like, before you could like open a movie on her in the U S. So maybe it just suffered from her being too sort of central to the, to the marketing too. Anyway, uh, the other thing I would watch. So you and I, or I would mention is that you and I have talked before about unironically loving the podcast song exploder. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't listened in a while. Um, but then I watched a couple of the episodes that he made uh, for Netflix. He made a TV version. Um, oh, really? And I watched, there's a great one about uh, Losing My Religion by R.E.M. And then because uh, I moderately enjoy something that I hate myself for moderately enjoying, I watched the Hamilton one. <laughs> where he talks, oh, fuck. <laughs> he talks to Lynn manuel Miranda about the song um wait for it well i guess i hate him now and he sucks no uh that show is so cool just because of how just how it's edited primarily Mm -hmm. but anyway so having watched a couple of the episodes of the show i went back to the podcast and i listened to the one for uh 90s classic closing time by semisonic yeah so i always knew do you know anything about what that song's about you know, what, beyond what, the obvious the story of it. Uh, yeah. No. So I've always, I've known for a long time that it's supposed to be a metaphor for a uh, childbirth. Mm-hmm. That the, the, the womb is the bar and you know, the, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here is the child being sort of evicted from the womb. What does um, that teach you about childbirth that you don't already <laughs> know, but that you can't learn from childbirth itself? That's a fair point. I, I would listen to the podcast. I would listen to the episode for, for a little more. But what I didn't know is that he wrote it because his wife was pregnant and that then their daughter was born early and was in the NICU for a year. Oh. So while he was recording this song, he was going back and forth. He was dealing with that at the same time. And then it was released the day that his daughter uh, got released from the hospital. So. It was one of the best episodes of a podcast I've listened to in a long time. 
Yeah, but um, way to bring this podcast down. What yeah. a bummer. She's she's all right. She's still she's still kicking twenty years later. So that's great. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about Lost because this is the Lost Me podcast, and uh, my name's Ben. That's Spencer. I've watched the show a whole bunch. She's never watched it before, and now we're watching it together and then talking about it. And this episode is called "Everybody Hates Hugo." It's the second uh, season, uh, fourth episode. The fourth episode of the second season, I should say. And I kind of love this one. What did you think of it? After a long stretch of high-intensity episodes, they just kind of brought it down a couple levels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To the the lost writer that made uh, Hurley a Hold Steady fan. Yeah. As soon as I heard that. Before anyone knew about the Hold Steady. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see you, Lost Writer. So that actually is an interesting. I'm glad you brought up Lost Writer because this episode was written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, who would become like one of Lost teams. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and so they did every Hurley episode, I believe, from here on out. They became oh. like the Hurley Whispers, and you know, I remember they they like they were interviewed together a bunch, and they sort of were like the wonderkind young white male. Uh, you know, TV writer that was very sort of becoming like a cultural thing in yeah. uh, in the mid two thousands. So they they went on to create uh, Once Upon a Time, the ABC show about the fairy tale characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what they're up to. Um, so yeah, so let's uh, I guess let's do the um, the flashback first because I this is the best part of the of this episode for me. I love this flashback uh, mostly because I. Really fucking love DJ Qualls. Is that the name of the actor who plays Johnny? The actor who plays Johnny, yeah. Man, I like Johnny because uh, he calls Hurley Huggy Bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a sweet thing to call your friend. We need we need more we need more pet names. So that's DJ Qualls, uh, who you might remember from the early two thousands teen flick, The New Guy. I don't. Haven't okay. seen it. He was also I've never I've actually never seen this movie, but he was in Hustle and Flow. If you've ever checked that out, I mean the actor who plays the woman Hurley acts out asks out. I recognize from what Hot American Summer. Yes, Marguerite Moreau. Uh, she uh, is famously also in the Mighty Ducks trilogy. Um, All right, as a kid, so that's good. No, so the flashback though. Um, I do also really love Hurley's mom here, just like yeah. being like the picture of like hectoring immigrant mother. I don't know if she's actually <laughs> yeah. an immigrant, but like you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that that must be Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very funny. She's really roasting him. Yeah, she really gets him. She's a great character. And then we see Hurley at Mister Clucks, and here we have another. Did Spencer catch something? No, Spencer missed it. <laughs> Okay, so there is a character crossover in this Flash Evac. Hit me. Hurley's boss was also Locke's boss at the boss, box company. <laughs> That's funny. That's so, really funny. So the same guy who just mercilessly bullied a handicapped man also mercilessly bullied an obese man. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, so I'm just trying to think in my head the timeline... We yeah. can assume maybe this was 
I don't know. He must have he must have uh, gotten that box company job pretty quick after this. So here's what we can assume. Okay. Because the 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 writers have kind of mentioned this before. So someone asked them, like, how would that happen? Like, how is it possible that her? Because remember, Hurley owns the box company. Oh shit! <laughs> so oh, you know, wow. why, how would this guy end up working at Hurley's box company? And they were like, well, Hurley's a nice guy. Maybe he felt bad and hired his old boss, even though he was kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the sort of timeline there. Um, but I love the whole the whole quitting thing and all the you know sort of very. Uh, like sto- not stoic, but um, I think what I think the line you might be honing in on is Hurley. He doesn't say like "fuck this, I quit." He doesn't like yeah. get up or throw anything. He just goes, "Dude, I quit." Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's so perfectly nonchalant. It's uh, mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. The, just one of the funniest, like, consistent turns of his character when he's dealing with other people. Uh. But that line from line from his boss, you owe the company for an eight-piece dark meat combo. <laughs> Very funny. Very funny. Uh, and then him and Johnny are just going to have a day of bros being dudes. Yeah, more like suck shaft. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That rules. Roasted. And, uh, yeah, no, it rules. It's a nice, another little nice sort of, you know, character crossover to have uh, Charlie's band show up. And also just, like, real, like, continued harsh treatment of charlie just to like prominently display the one hit wonders logo yeah charlie sucks charlie, charlie sucks yeah. for uh, for other reasons in this episode he he's on my shit list but of course the kind of crescendo of this flashback is that whole uh hurley hasn't revealed to johnny yet that he won the lotto and uh says promise me we won't change and they drive by the convenience store where he got the ticket where a uh, news segment is being shot. The, the cashier points out Hurley. The crowd looks over. And it's just very funny to see Johnny just crestfallen in that moment <laughs> instead yeah. of, you know, maybe excited for his friend. Yeah. Uh, they, they, really, they really jumped a few spaces forward in the uh development of that relationship yeah they had to tell the whole story of the friendship falling apart because hurley got money but they had to tell it all in one episode and well so this this was cut in a way they haven't really done with flashbacks before it was pretty interesting Mm -hmm. they're you know skipping ahead in the on island plot hurley was ready to dynamite the food storage uh center of the swan and they're cutting between that scene and this like multiple times scene. yeah i th- i think i think like i think like three times in mm-hmm. a in a pretty yeah. short sequence which i don't think they've ever done before it was uh it was kind of odd seeing it it stood out uh yeah, i i noted the exact same thing i thought that johnny was gonna die or something <laughs> i th- i thought the the bad luck was going to kick in really quickly because uh, Hurley was saying something like, I got to stop it. It can't happen again. But in a, in a way, it's, it's kind of sweet that what, what really gets to Hurley, you know, his, his real anxiety here is he, he, doesn't want, he doesn't want people hating him. Okay. Kind of that simple. He, do, he doesn't want to be like caught between people or uh, have compromised relationships with them, which is nice. 
All right, uh, let's do the on-island stuff, and let's actually just start with the Hurley, Hurley plotline, because I think that one, uh, you know, it obviously ties in real strong. So, fun opening dream sequence. Yeah, wow, it was so odd hearing Jin speak English. I was reading uh, some trivia about this episode. This is the only time in the entire series where Jin speaks unaccented English. Uh-huh. Uh, which, actually, I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast before, that it was a big sort of thing at the time that, so Yunjin Kim, who plays Sun, is Korean. She's uh-huh. a Korean actress. She's from Seoul. She, like, mostly acts in Korean cinema. Um, and, you know, learned English as a second language. Whereas uh, Daniel De Kim, who plays Jin, is an American-born to Korean parents and hadn't really spoken Korean since high school. So if you listen to them, she's speaking like perfect, like high Korean, and he's speaking like very weird, sort of easily noticeable to any Korean speaker. Oh, that's very Um, funny. The the actors kind of have reversed uh, roles mm -hmm, as far as their linguistic capabilities. Yeah, I always thought that was fun. So that's that. did you notice the little Easter egg in this scene? No. Uh, I mean, besides the obvious uh, guy in the chicken suit? <laughs> Not that. Uh, on the milk that Hurley's drinking, it says missing, and there's a picture of Walt. All right. Now they're just fucking with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny. So, yeah, what else about, about this, uh, this plot line stood out? Yeah, Charlie was being a dick. Fuck Charlie. He's just walking around with the front-facing baby Bjorn. Um, I mean, I know it's funny. Like, you're going to not deny a baby peanut butter. Uh, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's annoying to see how quickly he glommed on to this new personality, this new role, uh, especially after how kind of annoying he was to Claire dur- during their whole early uh, courtship. Although I guess it's not completely clear whether this is fully romantic or more just like... Uh, I think it's pretty clearly supposed to be romantic from Charlie's point of view. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at, at least as Charlie understands it. Uh, yeah. And the fact that he's still, you know, squirreling away heroin. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, no, no, no disrespect to people with drug problems, et cetera, et cetera. But you're trying to be this kid's dad. You've got a fucking statue full of heroin in your pack. Yeah, not looking forward to that uh, plot chicken coming home to roost. Uh, You know which one did this episode was Rose and Rose's husband. Oh, yeah, get to meet Bernard, baby. Yeah, and wow, they really really made me examine my expectations and prejudices. (laughs) Good job, guys. Man, it's uh it's just it's funny looking back. Again, we're on the subject of Rose and you know, we we talked about this like 20 episodes ago by now, but uh she really is a a a magical black lady. Uh oh, yeah. 100%. Like, the, the fact the fact that she just knows her husband is out there just fine. You know, I reading this in the most obtuse uh kind way possible. Doc Holleran had the shining. Uh, mm-hmm. They were brought up with, uh, <laughs> with, well, with media, you know, with, with this trope in it. There's certainly also a little bit of Mother Abigail from the stand in, yeah. uh, in Rose. Not quite, yeah. but you know. I mean, it's, it's wild. Just like, she's just this like, perfect like, woman of nature now, you know, drying her clothes. She's just purely contented to do her business. Except for when uh, Hurley tries to draft her into uh, 
to take over his uh, his job for him. Yeah. Let's see what else uh, we get. We get that moment of uh, probably what feels like the first real moment of sexual tension between Jack and Kate. Mm-hmm. And you got to wonder what what changed for Jack. Do you have any theories? What what uh, un, unblocked Jack? I mean, maybe it's the fact that like for the first time in a long time, he can feel like a little calm. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's no immediate threat of the others as far as he knows. Yeah. Maybe you he know. really doesn't like grime. Could be. Honestly. Okay. Okay. Here's what it is. Uh, last episode, Desmond in that whole, I married her. That's true. Desmond unblocked him by, by making him uh, divulge that and have that cathartic moment about his ex-wife. There we go. I figured it out. You figured it out. I think you got it. But anyway, they're, they're going to at least have a smooch soon. I, I feel it coming on. Yeah. Don't forget Sawyer's still out there. I don't really believe that that's going to be a full love triangle, but I could be wrong. Uh, it okay. doesn't look like he's going to have a romantic relationship with uh, Ana Lucia. Uh, yeah, she she really she really doms in this episode. It's pretty great. Yeah, the characterization of Ana Lucia is something that we will continue to get into, but it is another sort of troublesome <laughs> troublesome trope that Lost <laughs> fully embraces. Speak on that, Ben. I mean, just like this sort of trope of like, I mean, frankly, like she is a Michelle Rodriguez character, you know, like yeah. the street smart, tough Latino woman. Uh, and when they get into some more of her backstory, you'll see some more of, of why it's uh, of why it continues to be. You're not quite there yet, but you'll see it when you see it. Believe me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I fucking love that. Uh, Sawyer line when uh, they have already lifted the other two, out uh and sawyer just looking looking from down there in the dark goes you want me hot lips you're gonna have to come down here and she slams it and then in the dark you just hear bitch <laughs> really good really good like uh man i i love when they just let let sawyer be uh more than just kind of a nickname giving parody of himself they really just let him be a misogynistic piece of shit uh yeah so it's the, that is a fun new pairing we have, like someone, someone who, who's more than a match for, for Sawyer. Uh, let's talk about some of the other sort of... Ta- let's talk about the tailies. We got to really meet them for the first time. Who did we meet? Uh, Libby? Libby is played by Cynthia Watros. She's good. Mm-hmm. Um, she seems very scared, if you, if you will be honest, right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, and who else? Uh, Bernard, the, obviously. The dude what beamed him with a with a stick uh, when they first met. He seems like a chill bloke. Yeah, uh, he's cool. a- apologized for it. I like that. You didn't get to know his name yet, right? Uh, if I did, I missed it. Okay, I don't think so. Um, because his name, uh, he does get a name, but no, a name. You'll you'll know it soon. Okay. Um, no, he rules. And then I forget. Did you see anyone else when they got back to their their version of a hatch besides I, Bernard? I don't believe so. Uh, okay. Maybe a few people milling about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they have their own version of a hatch. So uh, they kind of 
they kind of got to the Dharma Initiative uh, piece of their section of the island uh, seemingly a little sooner than than our guys did. Yeah, but they got real they got real screwed on what's inside from the looks of it. Just uh, you know, they got an empty closet, and the main losties got you know a hatch with a record player and a shower and food and food that they waste by the end yeah Man, let's talk about that what did you think of the plan frustrated the hell out of me <laughs> in another life maybe later in this life uh, i'm a professional organizer i'm okay. kind of the I'd next mary i'm the next mary kondo okay instead of a pleasant japanese lady it's just a 30 something white dude being like no 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 yeah, real real step forward. People are going to love it. Uh, I'm still going to use a translator in my show, though. Uh, okay. Uh, love to organize. Love to plan. I'm really happier nowhere else than at Costco. And, you know, this kind of feast they're having just to relieve uh, Hurling's, Hurley's anxiety, it <laughs> really triggered me. You know, also, more, more Charlie stuff here. I mean... Claire gives him all this credit for getting her peanut butter, but like, it was Hurley. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Char- Charlie, Charlie just being a real jackass this episode, in my opinion. Yes. Other stuff uh, from this one. Oh, I mean, we should talk a little bit about uh, the Saeed Jack thing right before he walked in on Kate. Uh, oh, yeah. They're trying to, you know, jam through the concrete and talk about the magnetism and of course Saeed drops his very uh, Saeed chestnut about how the last time he saw anything like this it was Chernobyl yeah that's pretty scary yeah so what do you what do you think of all this what what are you thinking about the hatch about what's going on here I think uh, the first and most logical step would be to think that uh, this incident uh, that was referenced last time mm-hmm was walled up or something and maybe the input of the code has to do with keeping the incident from recurring or spreading or breaking out maybe okay just a guess that seems like a good guess i will see thank you thank you as long as we're tracking uh sawyer nicknames though uh ram rambina was uh (laughs) i looked up rambina just to be like was this some like third-rate, like, character on fucking Love Boat. Like, who's <laughs> Rambina? And then, of course, uh, it leads me to Screen Rant's top ten Sawyer nicknames. And, <laughs> of course, he's just uh, doing a riff on Rambo. So Okay. Yeah, I don't know. This was a, it's, it's not, like you said, it's not the most, like, uh, action-packed episode, but I think it's pretty good. Um, Oh, we should talk a little bit about uh, the food. We got a little bit more uh, sort of up closes on those uh, Apollo bars. Look pretty tasty. Yeah. Uh, what else? Do you see any? Were there any other like labels or things they talked about that? Uh, oh, the ranch composite. That's a fun. Yeah, one. the ranch composite. Uh, Hurley mentioned the uh, there was potato chips. Look, yeah. I can only, I can only hope they just feasted on the, uh, nice treats and, uh, kept, kept the essentials down there just because, yeah, yeah I mean, man, you know, that's they, just, that's just some really poor planning down there. They probably still got also, some flour and stuff. If like they that, were giving away everything, like, you know, one guy gets the potato chips, someone else gets a giant jar of olives. <laughs> 
That's kind true. Of weird. Well, I mean, I would weird. assume they'd. I'd assume they'd share. You know. Maybe. They're all family. Um, but yeah, fun episode. Just time, time to simmer, simmer down, end with a, end with another musical number. Uh, just relax for a bit. Good shit. Um, yeah. So that's uh, it's it for this one. Next week we'll be talking about uh the episode called "And Found," which is a Jin and Sun episode. Uh, that one is okay. It, it, it's a pretty fun one. But then after that, we're in for a couple of real good ones in a row. So get excited. <laughs>